I was really struggling today and trying to, yes, this week actually. I'm trying to, to share what, to find what message should I sh speak to you. But what I know, I know in my heart what God wants me to, to talk about in this sermon. But I'm going to hold off and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray more and ask God's wisdom on how to share what I need to share. But for now, I wanted to share something that's from my devotion. And um, I'm just going to read through this passage. We're just going to go through this passage and find out what 1 John chapter 2 is, gonna, is, is talking about, what it's going to say to us today. You know, in one of our life groups, I, uh, I got a question from one of our life group members. You know, how do I know if I'm a Christian? Or how do I know if a person is a Christian? What is the evidence or, or, or uh, proof or sign or mark, I, I would say? What are the marks of a Christian? How do you know if a person is really a follower of Jesus Christ? The truth is, there's a way to know it. There, there are signs in the person's life that the person is, a, is a truly a follower of Jesus Christ. In fact, that is the reason why John wrote the letter of John. I don't know if you've read 1 John, chapter 1, chapter 2, to the, you know, that entire letter, if you read that letter. When you read that letter, what you'll find out, it seems to be like a pamphlet or something. And, 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 and when you read that letter, what you'll see is that you'll find tests by which we can know if we are in Christ. There are, series, there are a series of questions or, or series of statements there that will sort of, it's like a test, like an exam. And you have to find, when you read, as you read uh, John, 1 John, not the Gospel of John, I'm talking about the letter of John. It's a very short letter. You can use that to test yourself, actually. You know, we need to test ourselves, by the way, if we are in the faith. You know, um... In fact, there's a scripture that's found in 2 Corinthians 13, 3 to 5, the Apostle Paul. Uh, I don't know if I put it there. But in, in, 1 Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians 13, 5 to 6, it says here, this is the Apostle Paul talking about this. Examine yourself whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize about yourself that Jesus is in you? Unless indeed you fail to meet the test. I hope you will find out that we have not failed the test. Paul is saying here that we as Christians, we need to test ourselves. And we need to find out if we are really Christians. Because you, are not, you do not become Christians by birth, by the way. You cannot become a Christian by just being a member of a church or by coming to River Life or whatever church, that does not make you a Christian. And, 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 and it, this Paul is saying, you need to find out for yourself if, if I am really a Christian. And he says here, that Christ Jesus is in you, but if you fail the test, then he is not in you. Therefore, some Christians will fail the test. Because they'll find out, oh, I thought I was a Christian, but I'm not. And Paul told, told the Corinthians, he said in this passage in verse 6, he said, 
I hope you Corinthians will also know and find out that I have passed the test. I hope that's what you'll see, that I have not failed the test. Paul is telling them that, that he himself took the test and he said, I, I passed. So just think about this. Even the Apostle Paul, who was one of the greatest Christians that ever lived, passed and took the test and passed. So what are the nine marks based on the letter of John? And we're just going to look at chapter 2, just one chapter. But the entire book really is, is basically a test. But, but let's look at only chapter 2. So let, let's begin with the first, um, first test. How do you know if you are a Christian? Our first test for a Christian is that there's a sheet at the back of your, uh, of your program. And just fill in the blanks so that you'll remember what we're going to talk about today. You can have that, Carla. Yeah. Okay. So the first test, and you need to look at this, look at yourself, uh, check, check yourself in this. That sin in the life of a Christian is, not, is an exception. Sin is an exception. So let me read to you the passage. Sin is an exception. First, verse 1 of chapter 2. My children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation. He is the provision for our sins. And not only for ours, but also, but not, not, not only for our, not for ours only, sorry, but also for the sins of the whole world. Uh, let me see. Okay. Thank you, Jimmy. So, so in this very first passage, we are told that, that sin, it says here, the reason why John wrote this is that we may not sin. But he says, but in case, just in case you sin, we have Jesus as our advocate. So it tells you that sin is not the norm for a Christian, but simply an exception. Meaning if you are not a Christian, for a person who is not in Christ, sin is something that is normal. And maybe doing good is just a special case. But, but it's going to be different for a believer in Christ. Because this time, what is doing what is good, what is right in the sight of God, that is what is normal in your life. And sin simply is an exception. Now, let me backtrack here. If you look to the very part, first part of the passage, it says there, my little children. The word little children is the same word Jesus used to call his disciples. Meaning Jesus called his followers little children. And, and the reason why he called them little children, because these disciples like you, you are willing to put your full faith and trust in Jesus. Just like a child. Now, even if you don't know a lot of things about Jesus, if you don't know the Bible very well, but still, with what little you know, you are willing to put your faith in him. That's why, little, just like little children, right? Now, even if they're not very familiar with the person, they, they're easily willing to put their trust and faith in anyone. Because kids, they don't really know a lot of things yet. But what little they know, they're willing to trust. And I think that's true for us Christians. So we don't really know a lot of things about God, but we're willing to put our trust faith in him. In Luke 2.10, in fact, Jesus said that, that the truth has been revealed to little children and the learned and those who are educated, you know, doesn't know Jesus very well. They cannot know Christ. Maybe because of their pride, they're having a hard time knowing him. 
Now, what is little children according to John? In, in verse 12, I don't think I have it there. In ver- chapter 2, verse 12, you're just going to open your Bible. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 12, this is what, what John says. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. Meaning, what little children simply means someone who is already forgiven of their sins. That's why we know that when, G- when John says little children, he is actually talking to Christians, to you, believers in Jesus. And, and, and your sins has been forgiven. In fact, the word forgiven means your sin has been sent away, has been removed from you. In fact, there's a passage that says in Scripture that your sins has been removed as far, far as the east is from the west. You remember that passage? Our sins has been removed as far as the east is from the west. So far... Uh, that our tra- uh, transgressions has been removed from us. As, as it's Psalms 103 verse 12. So, so what, what John is saying here, now as Christians, the normal thing for us is not to commit sin. But there are times that we're going to fall to sin. So it doesn't mean that you're a believer, you're not going to ever sin again. We are. I still commit sins. And some of you, or, or all of you probably still has some sins in your life. But it's not anymore the norm, but an exception. But what this promise is saying us, in, in going back to verse 2, let's go back to that John 2. Jimmy, can you go back to, to verse 2 of chapter? He says that whenever, if we commit sin, he says, we have a provision, which is Jesus Christ. Which is Jesus Christ. Because here's the thing, whenever you commit sin, Satan is going to accuse you. You're going to accuse yourself. You're going to feel depressed. But what Jesus is going to do, he's going to defend you before God the Father. And, and if Satan is going to accuse you and say, uh, you know, Gabby, she's always doing horrible things and keeps on accusing Gabby. But Jesus is going to say, Father, charge Gabby's sin to my account. He is the provision for our sins. Whatever Gabi has done, charge it to me. Ako bahala. Take care of it. She's good now. She's okay now. Basically, that's what Jesus is. He's a lawyer. He's our defense lawyer. You know, Satan is like this prosecutor trying to, to put to jail. And Jesus is going to defend you. Jesus is going to defend you. And he is going to take the, you know, the payment that you, you, that you should be paying. So that's the first thing. A Christian, sin is an exception. But when you sin, you have Christ to defend you and Christ to take care of that sin that you commit. It's going to be charged on his account. Second thing that you find in this passage, let's continue. Verse 2 and 3. One mark, and a second mark of a believer is that a heart, there's a heart that obeys. A heart that obeys. Now let's read this passage. In verse 3 it says, And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. How do you know that you are a follower of Christ? Is that you keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him. You know, these are people who say, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Christ. But does not keep his commandments. What does the Bible say? He's a, a liar. 
The truth is not in him. Verse 5, but whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is being perfected. Is perfected by this way, we know that we are in him. He says a person who keeps the commandments of Christ is evidence that you are a Christian, a follower of Christ. You know, there are times we fail. Sometimes we forget to obey God or we, we were not motivated to obey God. There are times. But the truth is, the heart desire of a Christian, yung longing ba, the inner, inner purpose and desire is really to obey God. You want to obey God, but there are times you fail, you forget, or you're not motivated, or there are things in the world that keeps you from obeying God. But your innermost desire is to obey Him, to long for Him. So what are the commands of God? Just, just as an example. For instance, knowing Him through His Word. You know, we are commanded to know the Lord. In fact, eternal life is really knowing God. And, and so a normal, a normal Christian, a Christian who is, who is really desiring to follow Christ would love his word. Search for his word. In fact, the Bible says that the word of God is like milk. Na parang bata, parang baby. Just like a baby who desires milk, a, a Christian would desire this. Because we are commanded to know the Lord. We are commanded to meditate on His Word, to study His Word, to read His Word. Meaning it is normal for a Christian to seek His Word, to know Him. And that's one evidence of a true believer that you, you want to, to know Him through His Word. One evidence of a true believer also is would love to spend time with God in prayer. In fact, the Bible says that prayer is like our breath. You know, all of us want to breathe physically. A child of God also would like to breathe in a spiritual sense, and that is prayer. If you're a Christian and you say, oh, I'm a Christian, but I don't like to spend time in the Bible, I don't like to pray, 100%, I know you're not a Christian. If that is not the desire of your heart, you don't know the Lord yet. You're, you don't belong to Him yet. Because that is one major, major evidence of a believer, by the way, is to love His Word. And to love his presence in prayer. Another evidence of a person who obeys the command of God. You love the church. You love believers. You love other Christians. There, I, I've known people in my life who, were, who say, I'm a Christian. I've been a Christian since birth. But I don't like to go to church. I don't like hanging out with other Christians. I 100% I know that person is not a Christian. Because a true believer would love to hang around with other believers. That's the truth. In fact, Jesus said that how do you know that you are his disciples? If you love one another. I'm talking, and when Jesus said one another, he was talking about Christians loving one another. That's evidence of a true follower of Christ. That you love other believers. And there are many in scripture. There are many in scripture. So a person, many examples of God's commands. So evidence that you are a true believer in Christ, is to obey His commandments, a heart to obey His commandments. The next one. This, is, this looks hard at the, at the surface. <laughs> Evidence that a person is a true believer in Christ is that he walks as Jesus did. Oh, we, I think we're going to fail this test. <laughs> I, 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 cannot, I cannot live the way Jesus lived. Seems to be very hard. But this is what scripture says. 
1 John 2.6. Whoever says he abides in him or he is in Christ ought to walk the same way in which Jesus walked. We are to walk the way Jesus walked. What this tells you is that when a person becomes a follower of Christ, there should be an increasing process in his life. He is becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. Both in his character, in his nature, internal nature, but also in how he lives his life. Initially, a long time ago, I, 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 I'm really confused with this. Because some people will say, hey, you need to live the life of Christ. You need to live according to the, you know, how Jesus lived or what. For me, I thought it was, it was metaphorical. I thought it was hyper-spiritual. But what I found out now, what this means is to walk the same way Jesus walked. Is to really live the same life, kind of life Jesus lived. In a practical sense. Because Jesus' life was supposed to be also a model for us. It was a model. It was an example on how we should live our lives here on earth. So let me give you an example. Jesus woke up while it was dark in the morning to spend time with the Father. You know that, like in Mark. You remember that passage? While it was dark, Jesus woke up, went to a solitary place and prayed. So, so it was Jesus' practice to wake up early in the morning before the sun comes up to pray. What it means is that we should be doing that as well. No excuses. Oh, I'm so tired, I cannot wake up early. No excuses, by the way. We should be doing that. When Jesus, before, his, before he goes to bed, one of the things he does, he goes again to a solitary place and pray again at night. The last thing he does. That's the very thing we should be doing as well. No wonder we are failing in our Christian life because we're not following Jesus' example on how he did his, how he spent his hours, how he spent his days. And one of the things that Jesus did, he made disciples. He trained people so that they will grow in their faith. That we should be doing that as well. He preached to people, shared the gospel to people. We should be doing that as well. It's not the job of the pastor, by the way. It's not just the pastor who should be doing that. I'm sorry to tell you, but all of us should be doing these very things. Make disciples, share the word of God, wake up early to pray, pray before we sleep, and think about everything that Jesus did. It's pretty much a model that we should do. And if you want to be victorious in our Christian life, successful in what we do for God, I think that's the secret there. That's a key there. Is following the life, looking at the life of Christ, look at the Gospels, how did Jesus spend his days, how did he, sp how did he relate with people, that's how we should live our life. And this is one mark of a Christian. But this doesn't happen all at once, by the way. Don't be scared by this. Initially, as a new Christian, you, you learn, you take baby steps, right? But as you mature, as you grow, as years move on, you should have more and more of what Christ, you know, what Christ wants you to do each day. So one evidence is that there is this increasing process of being like Christ in how you live. Like, like give, me an give you an example. When, whenever I talk to people, whenever I spend time with people, and, and there are times when I counsel people and talk to them, the moment I do it, I, I, I have a sense, wow, as if I'm doing this like the way Jesus is doing this. I know he talked to people. When, I, when I'm in Bible studies, leading Bible studies, a thought comes to my heart, wow, as if this is Jesus doing this. As if I'm do this is exactly what Jesus wants me to do, and I'm doing exactly what he did. 
Jesus told us to wash one another's feet. That is Bible study, by the way. That is Bible study. A lot of people are confused by what washing of the feet means. I know some people, they will do this in churches. They would wash full speed, right? That's not what it means really. It wasn't physical washing. It was, it was the washing. It was the washing of the word. Because the word is considered, is, is described as water in the Bible. So whenever somebody leads a Bible study or teaches, like what I'm doing right now, I'm basically washing your feet right now. That's the, that's the idea of washing your feet. That's another sermon. Another thing. We talked about this already earlier. True believers, they love other believers. They love to hang around other Christians, hang out with other Christians. They love to be with the church. Not just any church. I'm talking about the body of Christ, the real, real churches, not, not fake churches. There are many out there. But churches that is really filled with the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit, where the Spirit of Christ is present. Now let me read this. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother, the word brother there refers to fellow Christians, by the way. Because whenever Peter and many of the apostles, John or Paul says brother, it talks about within or sisters. It is within the body of Christ. So, so whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother and is still, is still in darkness, whoever loves his brother abides in the light. In him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. There's strong words. There's strong words. I hope it's very clear to you that if you don't like other believers, you don't like to hang out with your fellow brothers and sisters, not good. <laughs> Chances are maybe your heart is not, does not have the love of Christ yet. And have the spirit of God. You know, a true believer will always have a longing for other Christians. You notice that if you are a Christian, then you go to a new place and you don't know anyone. But if you met a Christian in that place, somehow the connection is just <laughs> as if you've known each other for 20 years or something. <laughs> and it's very natural. It's very natural. Uh, when, you, when you meet other Christians, it's just, you just connect easily. Because you have the same heart, you have the same heart, same mind, same values, and you just gel together very well. And this is how you know if a person is a true believer. There is a desire to fellowship with other Christians. There is a desire to connect with the church. And of course, this is what I also believe, that, that you will also have the discernment to know if the church is really the church that has the spirit of Christ. Because there are many churches out there that claim to be Christian churches, but they don't, they're not teaching the truth and they're not founded on scripture. And, and in fact, this passage, I, we're not going to spend time on this because we don't have time. Second, first, second chapter of John talks about antichrist, false teachers, false prophets. If there are false teachers, if there are false prophets, if there are antichrists out there, that's what he's saying here. Not the major antichrist. There is a major antichrist that's come later. But he said there are many antichrists that's come later. And he explains what the anti antichrist is. is a person who denies Jesus Christ. Oh. And, and so, if there are false teachers and false prophets, there are probably groups of people that claim to be Christians, but they're false. So, 
and out. I know that if you're a true believer, you probably will be able to figure that out. Discern. I know some of you probably have stories about this. <laughs> you, know, you know, there's churches out there that when you go to their church, during the praise and worship, they would sing Lady Gaga or Michael Jackson songs. And you're thinking, how come this is here? And they're singing Lady Gaga songs in the service. There are. <laughs> You'll be surprised what's out there. <laughs> and that's why we need to be careful. Because not, a, not all churches who claim to be a Christian church is Christian. Okay? Not all church claim that way. Can be, can be trusted. Okay, next. Um, another thing you'll find also is that a Christian will be free of guilt, a guilty conscience. You'll be free of a guilty conscience. Um, let me ask you, do you still have guilt in your heart over your own sins? If you have, you need to figure that out. Deal with this. Be seriously asked the question, am I in Christ? Because a true believer, you should not have that kind of guilt anymore. And if you have the guilt, maybe if you're a true Christian, but if you still have the guilt, maybe there's a sin in your life that you're not willing to confess. There's a sin in your life that you're not willing to turn away from, and you're holding on to it. I'm gonna, I still want to do this, Lord. Maybe that's the reason for your guilt. But this is what the passage is saying, verse 12. I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. Meaning, as a Christian, your sins are already forgiven. Past, present, and even the future sins that you're going to commit. That's already done for, taken care of by Christ. He's already forgiven. Washed. The Bible says wash. Uh, in fact, um, in, in, in John 13, or 12 or 13, we are told that, that being, a, being saved is like taking a bath. Parang naligo, like taking a bath. And, and, and when you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's like all this junk in your life, you're just being poured with water that's cleansed you all the way through. And you're now free from any kind of guilt of sin. And, and what's amazing about this is that when God fills your heart with the Holy Spirit, you are filled with purpose. You know, who among you still have this feeling that there's a hole in your heart? There's something in your heart, a hole that you feel that it's not being filled. They're like you're longing and longing and, 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 some, and, and, and you feel that I, I, I don't feel satisfied. Something is missing. Something is missing. I cannot, I cannot put a finger in it, but something is missing in my heart. The only answer I can give you is you need Christ in your life. You probably are not a believer yet. Because a true believer in Christ will not have that kind of feeling anymore. I never had that kind of feeling ever since I accepted Christ. There's no longing. There's no, no, longing, no, no longing for something I do not know. I know that Jesus already satisfied me. He already satisfied me. My heart is contented. I'm not looking for something. My heart is contented already. I have peace in my heart. I have purpose. Even though it's not very clear, but I know I can trust God with that purpose. I hope you Christians agree to this statement. I hope you agree to this, right? That there's this joy, there's this sense of purpose, even though it's not very clear to some, but, but there is. And your heart is not anymore searching and searching and searching. For us Christians, the search is over. You know, I think it's a song. <laughs> search is over. We found him. We know him. We find satisfaction in Christ. 
But there, if there's still a hole in your heart, you need to know Jesus. You need him in your life because he's the only one who can feel that, that longing, that hole in your heart. Nothing else. Not a boyfriend or not a girlfriend, by the way, or husband or wife. You know, some people think that <laughs> a boyfriend can feel that heart, hole in your heart. No. <laughs> uh, third, let's go to the next one. Number six. Knows God and his word, meaning that is one characteristic of a Christian. The Bible says that you cannot know God apart from the Holy Spirit. You cannot know his word. In fact, you cannot understand this apart from the Spirit of God. Now, let's look at what this passage is saying. I, I'm, this is a very a bit long, but you'll get the point. I'm writing to you fathers because you know him who was from the beginning. I'm writing to you young men because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you children because you know the father. I write to you fathers because you know him who, was from the, who is from the beginning. I write to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. Now you might be thinking, what is this passage saying? It talks about young men, fathers, little children, in fact, in the prior verse, and, and children as well. This talks about the stages of a Christian life. Meaning there are, we, we, in the Christian life, we, we grow in stages, by the way. When you are a new Christian, the Bible calls you a, a baby Christian or a, a little children or a little child. Because you only know little and you're still learning to walk as a Christian, right? You're still wobbling like that. But as you continue to grow as a Christian, you become a child and you know more. In fact, here it says here, a, ch a child already knows the Father, already maybe knows how to pray, maybe knows how to read the Bible. Then here it talks about also fathers, fathers who know God, maybe they understand God better. That's why they are able to preach and teach. And it talks about also young men who are strong, who are who's able to overcome the evil one. Maybe when you are a young man, a Christian, or a young, young, young girl, you are able to learn to overcome sin. Maybe there are sins in your life you're, before as a young Christian, you are, you are failing and failing. But as you mature, as you become a young man or a young woman as a Christian, in the spiritual sense, you're able to overcome it. Then maybe when you're now an adult Christian, in, in, in a spiritual sense, I'm not talking about physical adulthood here, or a father, in a spiritual sense, you are now able to teach. Because you know already, you understand. You're able to mentor others. You're, you're able to encourage others. So he talked about the different stages. And what you notice that's common in everything we just read, it's knowing God and knowing his word. You know, you understand. Some of you, before you became a Christian, this book didn't make sense to you. Agree? But now, we just simply accept this, right? Even though we don't fully understand, but somehow in our heart, there's some kind of, we just know that this is true. We agree to what this is saying. It makes sense to you. It is because of the Holy Spirit in you as well. So we know God. We know his word. We understand his word. Let me move to the next one. Number seven. This is something that's a bit controversial maybe for some people. But this should be easy to understand. A person who is in Christ will never walk away from Christ. A person who is with Christ, who is a Christian, will never walk away from Christ, by the way. Now, if you don't agree with me, let's, let's, I want you to show, I want you to see this. 
This is John talking about certain groups of people. In fact, he was referring to these people as Antichrist. Antichrist. And in verse 19, he said, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. I hope it's easy to understand. I hope you understand that. But they went out that they might become, might become plain that they are not of us. This is talking about a group of people that they became, they were part of the church. They came to the church. Maybe they were active in the church. They were involved in the ministry maybe. Then at one point in time, they just said, I don't want to be part of what you're doing anymore. I want to leave. And not only that, they rejected Christ. They said they don't anymore believe that Jesus is Christ. In fact, John, later on in verse 22 uh, and 25, said the very same thing, referring to these people, who is the liar? But he who denies Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let you heard from the beginning abide in you. Meaning what you heard, the gospel of salvation, let it abide in you, remain in you. Don't let go of it. What, if what you heard from the beginning abides in you, if it stays in you, then you too will abide with the Son and the Father, and this is the promise he made to us, eternal life. So if you go back to that passage in verse 19, the reason why those people left, because they never belonged to Christ from the beginning. You know, you hear this, a lot of people, I talked to some people in the past, they say, oh Al, I was a Christian before, and I used to believe in God, but now I'm an atheist now, I don't, I don't anymore uh, agree with the Christian faith. The simple answer to that is that person was never a Christian to begin with. It was just, you know, it was probably just a mind thing but not a heart thing. So, but the true Christian will never walk away from Christ. He'll never walk away. You will stick with him till the end. Even if the going gets rough for you, you will still stick with Christ. Eight. Knows the truth. I, I'll just, let's just move quickly to this. Knows the truth. But you have been anointed by the Holy One and you have knowledge. You all have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. And because no lie is in the truth. As Christians, you know the truth. You know the truth. You know that this is truthful, what the Bible teaches. You know that God created all things. You know that. You understand that as Christians. We know that Jesus Christ is Lord. We understand that. You accept the truth. A person who is without, without Christ in his life cannot accept the things of God. Cannot accept the truth. And lastly, does what is right. Does what is right. Very easy. Simple to understand. And now little children, talking to Christians again, abide in him so that when he appears that we have confidence and not shrink from him and shame at his coming. He's saying here, um, that there's a possibility that we will shame, be shamed at his coming. Why? If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. The meaning you, be, you are born of Christ if you practice what is right. You know what's interesting about this? What if a Christian will not live the Christian life the way God wants him to live? He's a Christian, but, but he chooses to say, Oh, Lord, I'm not going to do what you want me to do. What's going to happen? 
Yeah, exactly. He will be put to shame when Jesus comes. Mapahiya siya. You're going to be hiding from Christ, Lord. You <laughs> will not show your face. But the, here's the truth. A believer in Christ is a believer in Christ and you belong to Jesus. If you choose not to live according to His will, you're still going to be saved. You still belong to Jesus. You're not going to lose your salvation. But the problem is when Christ returns, you will not be confident when He comes. You'll be meeting Christ and you know one of the blessings when Jesus returns is going to give rewards to those who are faithful. But if you're not faithful, what are you going to get? Nothing. You're not going to get any. Jesus is going to say to, to those who are faithful, well done, my good and faithful servant. But if you, are, you haven't been faithful, what's, what's Jesus going to say? Sorry na lang. <laughs> said, oh, I'm going to give you a mansion. But you, I'm just going to give you a dog in heaven. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know how, what he's going to do. <laughs> but, but, but a dog house in heaven is still good, right? <laughs> Lord Jesus, ang liit-liit naman ng bahay ko. Akala ko mansion. <laughs> I thought you were going to give me mansion. So we don't want to be in that situation that we will shrink and we will be ashamed at his coming. That's why we need to give all our heart, mind, everything to serve him, to do his will. Habang buhay pa tayo. Amen? So these are the nine marks. And I hope you, you use this test yourself. You know, evaluate yourself. Am I a follower of Christ? Do I see these things happening in my life? Do I desire to do what is right in God's eyes? You know, do I, do I desire to obey his word? Do I understand scripture? Do I know this? Am I, do I understand when I read? Is sin an exception in my life or is it something normal for me? Like every second I just think of what sin I'm going to do. Or, or I hope it's the opposite for you. Um, so this is my encouragement to you. Test yourself if you are in Christ. And, and if you find someone who claims to be a Christian but you see in his life that he doesn't pass this test, then share the gospel with that person. Share the gospel. They need to know Christ. Life is, life is short. And we will not have a lot of opportunities. The gospel will not have a lot of opportunities. For some people, they don't have a lot of opportunity to hear the gospel as well. So, let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for... For the, for the letter of John, Lord, uh, through this, O oh God, we are able to test, O oh God, if we are in the faith, O oh God, to test, uh, we are in the in us, Lord. Lord, I pray that my brothers and sisters, O oh God, will consider this message, will consider these words that we just studied today, Lord. But I also pray, Lord God, that those who are still on the fence, those still who are, who, are not, who are not sure whether they're believers or not, whether they've surrendered their life to Christ or not, Lord, let them make that decision, Lord. Let them take that stand, O oh God, to trust you as their Lord and Savior, to surrender their life to you, Lord. And they will cry out to you and ask you to be the Lord of their life. Lord, we're just reminded, Lord, through... The lives of, of people we know, Lord, that has passed away, Lord. 
And what really matters, O oh God, is eternity, Lord. That life on earth, however long or short our life here is, O oh God, it's nothing compared to eternity, Lord God. And Lord, our desire and all of us, our desire is to be with you for all eternity. And Lord, while we're still alive in this world, our desire, Lord, my desire, and I pray that this is the desire of everyone, that we will serve you with all our heart. We will love you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. That we will love our neighbors and love our brothers, sisters, Lord, to the point that we are going, we're going to serve them. We're going to, to encourage them, Lord, and even teach your word, Lord, Lord God. Wash their feet, oh Lord Jesus, in a spiritual sense. Lord God, that we will be an encouragement to our brothers and sisters. And Lord, that we will not give up, but we will persevere in sharing the gospel and preaching the gospel to those who are lost, oh God. Even those who are lost among us today, Lord. If there are people in this room today, Lord, that are not Christians yet, Lord, I pray that they will surrender their life to you and we will not give up sharing the gospel to them, Lord. Asking them, pleading with them, Lord, that they give their life to Christ. Lord, I ask you, Lord, to touch those hearts of God that are still on the fence, oh God, who are not sure, who are holding back, Lord, who are scared maybe, Lord, who are uncertain, Lord, whatever reason they may be, Lord, whatever reason, Lord, why they're not surrendering their life to you, Lord Jesus. Lord, touch their heart. Open their heart, Lord, to the gospel, to who you are, to follow you for the rest of their lives. Like, we, like the, same, the same commitment we all made, those who are believers here. And Lord, help us to be like Christ, to live like Christ. Lord, there's a world out there, oh God, that is dying. And Lord, uh, it's only the message of Christ can bring hope and salvation, Lord, to those who are lost. And Lord, we thank you once again. We rejoice and celebrate the life of Sister Letty, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we've known her, that we've experienced life being with her, oh God. And she brought us joy and, and encouragement, oh God. And Lord, and love, oh God. Lord, thank you, Lord. Thank you for her life. And we continue to remember her, Lord, even as we, whatever is going to happen soon, Lord, during the funeral service or whatever is going to come, Lord, we ask your blessing, Lord, that maybe through that, through that service, oh God, Lord, the gospel will be made known to those who are there, especially her own family, Lord, uh, especially her own immediate family who needs you, Lord, who needs to hear you. Who needs your comfort, Lord, as well. Oh, Lord God, I just, I just ask for your blessing, Lord. And Lord, as we come together in fellowship, oh God, help us to fulfill the command we just found in this passage that we are to love one another. Oh, Lord, teach this church to love one another, Lord. Teach us, Lord. Help us to be the church that people will know that we are in Christ because we love one another. We care for one another. And not just within life groups, Lord, I know we're close within our life groups, but we learn to care, Lord God, for everyone in this church, Lord, not just within our life groups, Lord. And help us to, to make an effort to know one another better, Lord, to talk to one another, to spend time with one another in whatever capacity, Lord, whether inside a church or somewhere else, Lord. Lord, let this church grow, O oh God, in love, grow also in numbers so that more people, Lord, will experience the love of Christ. And above all, Lord, grow in faith, in love for you, Lord God.
Lord, I cannot, I cannot, I don't have the ability, Lord, to lead this church or preach the way you want me, Lord. I rely on you, Lord. I rely on your strength. And Lord, you're the one who's going to take care of each one, Lord. Whatever was shared today, continue to speak to every heart, Lord. Do to work in every heart and every life. Ask your blessing, Lord, on the rest of the week as we till we meet again next Sunday, Lord. And bless our meal that we will share. In Jesus' name. Amen.